Logan there kiddos. I uh, just recorded the last podcast where the man was questioning Beadsy the Fang that he had caught up to in his pursuit of the pack of fangs who captured the little girl. And we were talking a little bit about the man and all of his changes since the beginning of the story him questioning Beadsy, finding it remarkable that he had run into him again after all this time and how many hundred miles. And it appears even that the man is trying to understand how Beadsy came to be a a half fang. And sure enough, what did he do? He pulled one of his boots off and saw that he had the foot of a man underneath the boot. And what else that was human-like that he caught Beadsy doing? Yeah, he was singing a little nursery rhyme kind of when he was sleeping or half asleep in front of the fire when they stopped to rest that first night. So the man is getting an understanding of how Beadsy came to be in his current predicament, being caught as half fang, part fang, part man. So let's pick up where we left off here. I wonder could you ever now unchoose what you once half chose? The man mused, staring into the fire and ruminating more to himself now than to the disfigured creature before him. And if you could return home again in your present condition, would they even know you? Would they even want you back? Whether he was speaking now of the fang or of himself, or perhaps of both, he did not pause to sort out. Kids, this is the first time the man has ever even mentioned or thought about going home. And it was Beadsy who made him think of that. That's kind of strange. Man never thought about going home. Okay, back to the book. He looked at the fang again. We met once, you know, though I was also a different man. The creature studied him, half fearful, half curious. It was after midnight. You forced your way into my house. The fang suddenly looked more frightened, eyes instinctively darting for a path of escape, though it was bound and could not have run. You rode the black carriage. 
following orders, it cried. Your own fault, not what I wanted. Don't blind its other eye. Please don't blind it forever and leave it here to die. I didn't hurt your little boy. I didn't have a little boy. Your big boy then, or your girl, was it a baby? Twins? Triplets? I didn't hurt them. Beatsy no hurt. How many children did you take during your service? Was it so many that you don't even remember them all? Orders, fangs, follow orders. The man rose and took the spear and advancing upon the fang, he pressed the tip of the blade to its throat and holding it there with his right hand, he reached up with his left and drew the hat from his head. Don't kill it. Beezy is sorry, so sorry. Orders, followed orders, didn't want to. You took my baby. What baby? Beezy never hurts babies, never. Don't like hurting things. You took my daughter and with her my wife and my home and all that I had. It was you who sent me out to wander this wilderness alone, as a beast, as a beast hardly better than yourself. The fang began to shake visibly now, and a long moan like the push of wind through a crack in a door rose from its gut to its throat escaping over the tongue and hissing as it issued between the teeth. Never hurts the babies. Beadsy doesn't. Kneel, the man commanded, and he lashed out the cord that held the fang to the tree, severing it with its spear tip. Kneel. The fang scrabbled and fell forward, then righted itself and balanced, trembling on its knees. Please don't kill it. Beadsy will help find Brat Fang's hook. Bend your face to the ground. The Fang still knelt, watching the man with wild eyes. Bend your face to the ground. The Fang obeyed, whimpering. The man set a book on the hideous creature's back. I'm sorry. The man set a boot on the hideous creature's back and laid the tip of its spear against its spine. Let me hear you say it. Say what? You were once a man like me. Never, never was. But you were, and you must know it and I need to hear you say it. Why? Why does it torment Beadsy? I need to hear you say it. Why does it make Beadsy say hurtful, hateful things before it stabs him? Say it. He pressed the spear harder into the creature's back. Beadsy was a man. 
louder. The creature was spewing venom and saliva and tears now. Beadsy was a man! Do you remember? No! Yes, you do. Do you remember? Yes. What do you remember? Sheep! Sunlight on sheep and sunlight on snow. What else? It hurts me. What else? Things like dreams. Like dreams I don't stop having. A boy by a gate when sheep go in. A girl who rolls dough and a woman who watches me and smiles when I see her. And then I look down and see my hands are claws. Not hands, claws. Do you remember their names? No. Do you remember your own name? No. Where you lived? No. Anything? A little blue pond pool with silver fish. A girl makes a wish, but it's all only dreams, not real. You fool. These are the few memories you still hold of what was real. Don't you understand? Perhaps they could even bring you back. What else have you seen? A hill, a gate, red stone stacked to be a house, and one in my arms. A red stone? The creature turned its head and looked up at the man desperately, a horrified mournfulness at the remaining measure of what had been lost distorting its already monstrous features. A baby, it said quietly, as if this realization had only just occurred to it. And then it dropped its head and shrieked and shuddered and wept in the dirt for all that was lost. Little sweets, I called it little sweets. Kill Beadsy now. Poor Beadsy, he can't be anything. Torn, torn in betweens. Why, why did the cruel man make him remember what are always gone? Why? Because I couldn't risk releasing you until I knew you could remember and yet feel something. With that, the man jerked the spear downward and cut the cords that bound the wrists of the monster. And then jabbing further, he split the leather binding from its shins as well. The creature scrambled away from him to the other side of the fire and from there crouched, looking back at him with a wounded expression. You let Beadsy go. I have let you live. In return, there is a thing you must do for me. 
The miserable creature watched him and did not respond. So the man continued, You must carry a message for me. Message? Who for message? For the other fangs. No! Fangs leave Beezy to die! Not want him back! You can at least approach them. Surely they will still allow that. For why? I want the child. But if I attack them unannounced, who's to say that in their panic they might not kill their prisoner? Or that she wouldn't be struck by a stray arrow? I cannot take such a chance. So I will send you ahead of me to carry my terms. Terms? I am coming for the girl. Before I get there, you will tell them about me. You will tell them of the horror that I bring. Tell them if the girl is harmed, if she is even scratched. I will hunt down every one of them and destroy them on these open plains. Man can't. Too many fangs. Tell them they are to leave the girl in the wagon in the camp. They are to lay down their weapons there, and they are to be gone before I arrive. Any that I see will die. They will laugh at me. There are too many. There are not too many. I am mounted. They cannot catch me, and they are like ants without a queen. I will harry their heels day and night, plucking off the stragglers until there are too few left to defend themselves. They cannot be in good fighting shape, not after so long scrounging and half-starving in the wilderness. They will never make it back to Torboro, and if they do, they will not be accepted by crack as they hope. All of you have failed in your quest, and all will be punished if you return. I am offering them this one opportunity to turn the girl over to me unharmed. If they do not, none of them will live to see the next full moon. This I swear to you by the sacred memory of my own daughter, whom you took from me. They won't believe me. Main Fangs beat Beedsy and cut his skin again. Then you must make them believe you, you pathetic creature. The man was losing patience. You will tell them I am more than a man. Tell them I am the fury that rides from the summit. Tell them I am bone breaker, fang cracker, monster hunter. Tell them I wear the teeth of my enemies upon my head. Fangs are not brave. They only believe they are brave when they wield power to be cruel. Make them believe that they should fear me and they will melt away. And fear me they should. They will say one man has never stood against them and no man is more than a man. Even all the men of a village could not stand against them. The man shook his head. 
uncertain of what he was about to do, uncertain as to whether it was right or a grave, grave wrong to present what was his greatest shame as if it were a feat of glory. You told me before that you heard the rending cry and saw the thendril fall. The fang gave a barely perceptible nod. The man hesitated a moment and then reached into his saddlebag and uncoiled the long and glorious tail feather of the lone thendril. And why do you suppose it fell? The creature did not answer, but eyed the feather with a mixture of desire and disbelief as one might a rare jewel unearthed in a neighbor's yard. I tell you that the very seasons were halted because one ascended the one mountain to stand upon it, and with his spear he smoked that great bird, the messengers of the heavens, and brought it down from the dome of sky and from those pathless heights. It was I who caused the fendril's cry and the quaking of the ground. It was I who stopped for a time the seasons in their turning. So I ask you, am I but a man after all? If I have done such a thing to the lone fendril, what do you think I would do to a fang? The fang stared at him in mute fear and wonderment. Here. He coiled the feather again and held it out to the creature. Take this as a token and a proof. Take it and show them and tell them the awful wonder of what I have done. Tell them I am half man and half monster and you will be closer to the truth than you imagine. Tell them I will arrive at the dawn and will bring with me thunder and fire and war and death are at my heels and my spear will pierce and my hammer will crush and any that hold their own lives dear would do well to leave the girl and flee and not even dare look upon me. The creature timidly took the feather and held in its hideous claws and stared at it. And the man wondered if it was a shame to see the profanity of its own beaded scales against something made of such fierce and pure beauty and light. It shrunk back almost as if it were burned by the resplendence it held. Go now. Go ahead of me. You should reach their camp before morning. Walk toward that distant fire on the horizon. I leave? The fang still frightened. The fang seems still frightened, uncertain. Carry my message as I have charged you, and after that I care not what you do, so long as you vanquish into the hill, so long as you vanish into the hills, in forests and never trouble this world again. Swear it. You let Beadsy go. Swear it. 
I swear. You swear what? Whatever Fendril smite her once, that you will harm no one, no more. Yes, that you will cease living as a fang. Yes, it bobbed its reptilian skull rapidly, that you will deliver my message. Yes. Swear on the memory of your little sweets. Beadsy, the creature faltered. Not Beadsy. I say I, I swear. I swear. On what? The memory? Say it. I swear on the memory. Here the creature faltered again, and its face twisted into something like a snarl. But I don't want to say it. That is exactly why you must. The beast muttered and made several pitiful little noises, and then it snarled and shouted in a rush of words. I swear it on little sweets. And then it whimpered, but the whimper ended in a snarl, small snarl. Good. Now leave. I don't want to see you again. Beadsy leaves now? Yes. The creature started to skulk away, then turned back. Why? Why? Why does he find Beadsy and doesn't kill Beadsy if Beadsy took his babykins? The man sighed and looked at the fire and sighed again before he answered. Because I do not know if what was wrought in you might ever be unwrought. And if you are part a man, then to kill you now would be part a murder. And though I hate you, I also pity you. And though I despise you, I also am ruined and wrecked. Though I do not show in this show it in the same in my skin. Now go. I do not know if the mercy I claim presently will sustain through all moods and thoughts. The hunched and wandering form of the creature receded then from the circle of light and slipped into the shadows and away. And the man followed a few minutes later, followed silently for a quarter mile until he was certain that the creature was on its way to do his bidding. And then he returned to the fire and sat again and did not sleep, but remained alert and considered what morning might bring. Two hours before first light, he rose and poured sand over the embers of his fire, and catching up his horse, he saddled it and rode away with his face to the west, passing over a depression that was a wet weather creek 
lined with succulent plants that had unfolded wide flowers the, the color of butter in the moonlight. And he considered whether this might be the last new wonder he would ever see. As he rode out of that wash, he spied again the tracks of the fangs and of the wagon cart sluicing through the tall grass in long lines that curved away over the low hills. And he followed it in the gray and silver light until dawn. The man rode down a ridge from a blood-dried streaked sunrise, and he could see now the makeshift cage and wagon, lonely amongst the tall grasses and the low sweeps of hills dotted with rocky juts that cut like dragon's teeth from the hills. He paused and scanned for movement, but saw no fangs. Drawing closer, he could begin to see the little bob of the fair hair of the child sitting in that prisoner cart, and also the sparkling of the fendril feather coiled in her small hands like a circlet of emerald and indigo and azure stars, and the dark curving lines and the glints on steel that were weapons laid upon the ground just as he commanded. But, he could see as well the form of the dark and beaded half-fang, which seemed to be still and kneeling before the wagon. And this was not at all what he had commanded. And he slowed his approach for a moment, wondering what it might mean. The man dug his heels into the horse's flanks and spurred it forward, forward to a full gallop across the last stretch of prairie. And as he did, he noted here and there, scattered distantly among the stones, scaly heads half raised to behold his passage. He observed their brief confusion as they shielded their fulvous eyes, trying in vain to discern the manner of horned creature that thundered past and he knew his position was now precarious, and so he did not pause. He was able to see well before he reached the abandoned camp that the, be the beaded fang knelt now with a rope about its neck. It's, it heard the approaching hoofbeats and raised its head to watch him close the final distance its one good eye blinking against the rising sun that silhouetted him. They beat me, it screamed. They beat me until I showed them the feather. Quiet. And then, child, I am here. You are safe. The little girl looked slowly up from the mesmer of the fendril feather in her hands and stared at him almost without emotion her fear too deep and constant now. She had retreated to a place within and roamed it as a child lost in a deep wood. The man leapt from the, the horse and taking a short sword from the surrendered arsenal of the fangs, he severed the rope that latched the cage. 
flung it away from the wagon and lifted the child out. Don't leave me here, cried the fang. Others will kill me when they come back. Please, mustn't leave Beedsy, please. It raised its voice to a wail. Silence! The man set the child gently on the horse, taking the feather from her and sliding it into his shirt. And then he placed her hands upon the pommel, surveying the landscape as he did and noticing that several fangs are standing now, their gazes intent upon him. Beansy begs. Silence, you fool! The man turned, and with a swift hack of the sword, he divided the rope that bound the fang to the cart by its neck. And then, with a rapid sawing, he also cut the cords that fettered the miserable creature's hands behind its back. Flee while you can. Do not let me see you ever again. The man dropped the black sword and slid the hammer from, its, from his back to have it at the ready. Must he run a gauntlet? a gauntlet of enemies to deliver the girl to safety. He placed his left hand upon the saddle to swing himself up behind the girl. And it is then he felt the bone of his ribs snap, felt the thunk and the bite of the arrow that had pierced into his back. He turned. There wobbled the half-blind and man-footed fang not twenty paces from him, notching a second black arrow to a black bow he had seized from the splayed weapons. Beadsy is strong! The half-fang shouted for all to hear. Though the voice quivered and faltered and the clawed hands trembled. Do you see? Beadsy kills man who cut off Beadsy's tail. Can go home now. No, the man shook his head. Not this, not like this. Let the girl go. You gave your word. You swore by your own little sweets. But the fang raised his voice to drown out the voice of the man speaking a name he did not want to hear. Beadsy is smart. Beadsy knows who you are and doesn't tell. Ha! Ah! And the miserable fang loosed a second arrow that flew wide of the mark and had fumbled to notch a third. And the man saw that his gambit had collapsed for the other vile creatures were now showing themselves emboldened, slinking from their hiding places amongst the rocks. And he saw as well that some of them were armed with bows. Giving scant heed to his own pain, he was fearful for the girl, lest she be struck by an arrow, errant or intended. And so he reined the horse round and charged directly at the beaded fang who yelped and dropped the bow and turned to run, but because he had no tail to balance him, he fell. And the man raised his hammer as he neared the creature. But when he might strike, 
he suddenly checked his rage and did not bring down that death blow. He pulled up instead so that the horse leapt over the cowering figure cleanly, and as it did, the man leaned down and declared only, You called her little sweets. Can you remember that? And then he pulled the horse round, and they went thundering back across the prairie plains. And he heard the thrum of strings as the archers on the slopes round them released a first volley and then a second. And the man leaned, leaned forward over the child and covered her. And he felt it grim when he was struck a second time in the back. And he heard afterward again the whistle of fletched shafts and ducked his head ever and ever lower, waiting for the piercing. And he felt it this time in the meat of his thigh. And he knew also from the sudden shift in the horse's gait and from the disconsolate whinny it gave that it too had been struck. Though it scarcely even slowed and then it found its pace again with speed increasing as if it could outdistance that pain. The man glanced behind and saw a dark arrow shaft buried at the base of the animal's back, just behind the saddle. And when he turned forward again, he saw ahead, both to his left and his right, three large fangs loping now, animal-like, toward him, their tails undulating, serpentine as they ran, spears in hand seeking to cut off his escape. They had broken off from their fellows. A vanguard flung down the slope toward him, and he spurred the horse and leaned and spurred it again and begged from it every reserve of speed, still quartered within that belly. And the horse responded, now perceiving the fangs with its own eyes. And it leaned into the race and pulled hard, but even so would not be able to outpace the angles of their hostile descent. So the man now, in more desperate maneuver, cut the horse to charge directly for the lone fang, rushing down at them from the southern rise, so that the fang slowed momentarily, confused, and then raised its spear, and the man pressed the girl to the neck of the horse closing ground and as the fang drew back its arm to fling the spear the man rose in the saddle and heaved his hammer in a terrible spiral as the body of the beast in a terrible spiral at the body of the beast and landed a punishing strike hard in its chest driving it backward so that the spear sailed high and errant, and then the fang had to dive away before the sharp hooves of the charging horse. And by the time he could roll to recover his spear, the man and the girl and the horse were beyond him, and his breastbone was cracked by the hammer, so that he could not rise his arm. He could not raise his arm to throw again. And the pursuers, descending the northern slope, were outpaced by the diverted angle of escape. And so they pulled up at last and gave off their chase. And then the man and the horse and the child 
were passed beyond the gauntleted slopes and beyond the immediate danger, though now still did not slow, and the man leaned back and saw that the child was unharmed. Annie wept at last for the relief of that, and did not think yet of the portent of his own wounds. I will get you home, he told her, wherever that may be. And the girl looked up at him with eyes that scarce seemed to remember anything beyond the harrowing of recent days. All right, kids, that's where I'm going to stop for tonight. There's a lot of action in that one. Lots of action. And sorry about my mistakes and having to repeat myself. This uh, author's style is a little tricky sometimes because it's it has a lot of ands and sentences that connect to each other. And I try and make it flow smoothly, but I don't. <laughs> so, anyways... I'm so disappointed that Beadsy betrayed him. Did you guys know that was going to happen? I'm bummed. I'm really bummed. It was crazy to think about Beadsy remembering his little sweets and promising to not hurt anyone again after he delivered the message. But he reverted back to being a fang and trying to I don't know, trying to get the man like he promised crack he would. and Oh my goodness. Very disappointing. Makes me sad. Okay, anyways. Um, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the story and the lessons we are learning from it. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would use this story in all of our hearts to examine ourselves about uh, truth and being honest to ourselves and desiring truth in our innermost parts as you as you do, Lord, you desire that we would have truth in our innermost parts and that our souls would not be divided like poor Beadsies is. So, Father, I pray that you would heal us, heal our hearts and our souls so that we're never um, divided in choosing the wrong ways based on avoiding pain like Beadsies trying to do and that we wouldn't try and win the affection of people who don't care for us, Lord, that, but that we would always only care about what you think of us according to your word, and that we'd only care about what our loved ones think about us, and not about people who don't care for us nearly as much as um, our loved ones do, and that you do, Lord. You care for us more than anybody so we should really only be concerned about what you think about us and our choices. So help us to make good choices, Lord. 
Father, we love you, and we thank you for authors like uh, Douglas Kane McKelvey. And uh, we pray that you would bring us more good authors who illustrate biblical principles to us in such rich and cool ways in these stories. Lord, I ask that you would help the kids to get good rest, that you would heal them and um, bring all of their parts together, and that, Lord, even as they dream, that you would visit them, that your Holy Spirit would counsel them and comfort them, and, Lord, that you would teach them even as they sleep, and that they would wake up rested and refreshed and restored and full of your power and your truth. And, Lord, that they would be blessed and find favor in your eyes and favor in the eyes of men because of who they choose to be before you and not by caring about what the world thinks of them or by what other people think of them. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name, we pray these things. Amen. All right, love you, kiddos. I'll catch you later. Night-night. Days come.